It is episode two of season two. Appreciate you guys joining us this week. Hope you enjoyed last week's uh, with Destin. Just an incredible, incredible conversation. I've gone back and listened to it a couple of times and um, the waterworks come every time. So I appreciate her in that space. Um, I want to remind everybody, the new website, courtyardministries.com. We've got that dude revamped. If you feel inclined to partner with our ministry, there's a partner donate button you can find. And if you feel um, so pushed and led to help and partner with this episode to keep the podcast going, awesome. I would greatly appreciate that. This week, I have two special people, Travis and Kelly Hill. They are here to share their story, their love, devotion, the dedication they have given their boys. The journey they have had is um, one of unbelievable faith, heartache, joy, happiness. It's all over the place. And so I'll get out of the way of that and say, Travis and Kelly, welcome. Get awkward. Yeah. Here we go. So, we're here, and uh, Travis and Kelly Hill have um, more Travis to um, kind of talk your guys' story. So, thank you for. Wanting to do this, it feels very kind of formal when you start getting into it like you're on a radio show, which is a, what I, I told Brogan it was going to be like listening to his dad on the radio when y'all go back and listen to it. So thank you for doing this and sure. allow me to invade your home. And uh, I'll probably be working some mic things on the side. Um, so let's let's just start with you guys and how you met, uh, just the beginnings of your your marriage and... Um, you guys becoming one and what that looks like and then kind of journey into the story of your family and then we'll kind of progress from there if, okay. if you don't mind. Sure. So give so, it to you. We met at LCU. Um, I guess Kelly will tell you that she knew me before I knew her because I was in Best Friends and we had traveled to her home church and did a concert there and so she figured out who I was then. I um, did even I did not know that you were in Best Friends. <laughs> Yeah. I'm learning stuff already. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so um, after that, when Kelly came to LCU, we were in history together, and and we were friends. Um, we we would hang out, and we would we both enjoyed uh, watching thunderstorms and lightning storms. Uh, so we would go do that uh, over here, just right behind us in the park. And then, but nothing ever romantically happened with that. And then Kelly left uh, LCU and ended up back, and we we were in the same history class together because we really didn't do too well the first time. <laughs> so repeats uh, the best. All right. Yes. Yeah. Um, but toward the end of, of that year that she came back, um, they had had the dorm fire, and I was hanging out around the dorm that she was living in quite a bit, and uh, we started dating. And then very quickly, she went to El Paso and I visited her there that summer. And then uh, through the next year, we 
we were exclusive and dated and uh, at the end of that next year after dating for a year we got engaged and just several months later got married so it was relatively I guess these days a very a pretty quick courtship but still in college still in college married mm -hmm. college married kids yep. so what did that look like how did was that good or no. We had okay. lots of friends. I had lots of friends that got married pretty early and, and that were married in college. Okay. Uh, and then they even started their families, uh, had kids. Really? So and still going to school. It was not unusual for me or us at all uh, that we that we were married and then Yeah. But we didn't have we didn't have the boys till So how old six were you then? Like when y'all got married, how old? I was twenty six. Okay. Kelly was twenty three, twenty four. Okay. 23. Okay. Got it. So you weren't, you weren't a spring chicken. Nope. Okay. All right. But you were still in school. Yes, sir. Got it. So what did you do before that? Before. You, it just took you a while to get through. So I, I worked a couple of years out of college. Okay. Until I started and then I liked it a lot. So I stuck around. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, we're, we're married. We graduate college. Nope. Nope. We went did not. To work. Okay, just yeah. went to work. Okay, and then we started working uh, in Lubbock. We yes, we started working in Lubbock. Uh, Kelly got uh, in with uh, the Gap and had an opportunity to transfer to the Dallas area, working for them. And so we moved out to Rockwall, hmm. and then moved back to Lubbock um, for just another year or two, maybe. And then Kelly had another opportunity with uh, American Eagle. And so we moved to the Bedford uh, HEB area and worked out there for a year, a little over a year, I guess. And then I couldn't take it. It was too much. It, the traffic was, was a lot to deal with, not being disconnected. Um, we had friends in the area, but didn't get to see them. Yeah. And so it was just hard for me, mostly. And so... We moved back to Lubbock and kind of at that time had made the decision that we would stay here. Um, gotcha. And at one point decided to try to start a family and that didn't happen. And then when we decided that we would wait, then it did. So, so what were you doing there in that? What was job wise? What were you? Um, kind of whatever. When we had the boys, I was working for a security company. Okay company that did alarm systems and home sound and stuff like that. Gotcha. Uh, and worked with them when we had the boys. And then shortly after that, I moved over and worked for Cardinals Sports Center. I didn't know. I was thinking about the HEB area, just kind of what you were doing there. Um, okay. So didn't want kids or wanted kids. Nothing happened. Then kind of were like, I don't know. And then, then yes. it did happen. All right. Yes. So tell me about that journey. So every, well, funny part of that story is uh, ever since Kelly and I started dating, I told her that we were going to have twins. Like that is just something that I decided. Um, <laughs> because, and, because you have say so in having twins. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, but it, it was kind of a joke, but kind of serious uh, to the point that, you know, I started picking out names. And um, so when we went to uh, the first ultrasound, I guess it was, 
we were sitting there and of course I'm a guy so I don't understand anything that's going on and Kelly is watching intently at everything that's going on so the nurse sees something on the ultrasound and says you know what I'm gonna go uh, grab the doctor real quick and mm. I don't think anything of it right and internally she didn't say anything but Kelly thought she knew what was going on already and so when the nurse came back in with the doctor and said did you tell them or the doctor said to the nurse, did you tell them? And, the, and she said, no. And they said, you're having twins. I broke out in laughter. That's, uh, about that's great. Over. Yeah. Kelly said, I knew it. And so that's when we found out that we were having twins. That's so great, though. So, um, so what, what made you think you were going to have them? Just whatever? I don't really know. Just that, just whatever that thing I is. I it was cool, and yeah. I just always wanted to have twins. And uh, Anyway, okay. I didn't know if it was something. It into existence. Yeah, I mean, there's something, yeah, something to that, but right. I didn't know if there was something else beside it or no, family history or whatever. There's no, no, there's twins on Kelly's side, but there's not. Okay. No, no twins that I know of on my side. Got it. So um, found out that way. And the pregnancy was fairly normal for the first, you know, well, pregnancy with twins is, is different than pregnancy with the same. Right, no doubt about so that. there was uh, different doctor's appointments and more frequent and things like that, but nothing really out of the ordinary. Um, but Kelly, toward the end of that, um, started experiencing issues with her body and uh, developed help syndrome. And that, um, that came about fairly quickly. They had hospitalized her um, to keep an eye on her. And um, we're supposed to have a baby shower that weekend. This was at 32 weeks, 30, approaching 32 and a half weeks. Hmm. And so the doctor released her to go to uh, the baby shower on Sunday. So what is HELP syndrome? It's, uh, it's a, the, the mother's liver uh, starts to shut down. Um, it, it, it becomes really dangerous. Oh, gotcha. Um, like and, pretty far along in the pregnancy or not? 32 weeks. Oh, 32 weeks. Got yeah, it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. So um, Sunday, they had hospitalized her that Friday, Thursday, Friday before to keep her, to watch her, to make a rest, to uh, do all this. Released her for a couple hours on Sunday to go to the baby shower uh, and then had to go straight back. Monday morning, I went to work. Uh, I was still doing security systems, and she called and said, we're having babies tonight. And so that evening, I believe it was on a Monday, at 32 and a half weeks, uh, we had the boys. And so they were seven, or no, three, 13, three pounds, 13 ounces, and three pounds, 15 ounces. So really no other issues? No other, other than, issues. Yeah. And when they offered, you know, they always offer to... Um, to do the testing to see you know, right. whether there's any issues with yeah with the babies that we didn't ever see any need with that yeah we, we would love them regardless and right so, um, at that time we didn't we didn't do that um, and so but um, I mean for even twins I, I guess that's what like my sister in law had twins and there was there was all kind of things with their twins you know going through that but the only thing health wise was just the right the and the health wise uh, there were no right. issues pre-birth or really at birth uh, that we knew of. So really to get that far along with twins was a really right. big deal. They they had to go into NICU. 
um, yeah. because they were premature and um, they had given Kelly a shot to uh, boost their lung um, function and growth before just as a precaution and so that turned out to be a good thing and so they um, other than that um, the birth was fine the boys were healthy they were breathing well um, we, did, we didn't have any issues um, it was a few days after, I believe, when um, they came to us and said that they thought one of the boys might have Down syndrome. And so that was a shock. Um, Identical or no? So that's another part. They okay. thought they were fraternal because they were in separate sacks. Okay. But through, so we we they came to us and said they thought they had Down syndrome. Um, they did genetic testing about a week afterward. They confirmed that both of them did. Um, and so through that, we figured out they were identical. Because of... Right. Because Yeah, okay. So um, that's how we found out we had boys with Down syndrome. And so um, the time in the hospital, uh, they stayed in for three weeks in NICU okay. before they could come home. And then they, uh, you know, they came home with uh, breathing monitors and things that we had to do. And they're, of course, extremely tiny. I could, I could hold them, their heads in my hand and their feet wouldn't touch my elbow. Man. Um, but just dove into life. As be, uh, doing what we knew to do. I mean, they were they were babies. They were boys. They were they were healthy. They were just different. They had Down syndrome. So we we spent some time figuring out what that meant. Right. Um, what it. I mean. So even on that end, did did y'all know anybody that had Down syndrome kids or you know not close interactions I, with? I had grown up. Um, my, my early childhood, I had a, a friend with Down syndrome and gotcha. um, had known some people along the way, but we didn't have anybody at that time close to say, hey, how does this work? What right. do we need to do? What do we need to look for? Um, so we, I mean, we just dove into being a family. Now they, since they were premature, we stayed home, but we kept the boys out of church, out of yeah. Public out of everything for a long time, which um, ended up being kind of how our life was for a long time. What is a long time? Um, well, for the first probably nine months of their life, um, we didn't take them out. It was, I mean, yeah. We did some isolation stuff. And, uh, you know, Kelly would go out, I would go out, we would do things, um, but we didn't. We, they got out of the house, but not very frequently. Right, right, right. We were very protective of their health, and and just because of what we were told, and letting their bodies catch up and their immunity catch yeah. up slowly, because they started so tiny, um, we kept them home for so about nine months. Then, mm -hmm. got it. Yeah, and so, um, I mean, really, until then. We started getting out. We started, you know, going to church with them some and doing that. And it seems like very shortly um, after, uh, the, 
we started noticing that um, Hagen was getting little illnesses and little sniffles and little different things than Brogan. Um, Brogan would be healthy, Hagen would get something. And then mm. um, we started no noticing like bruising. And Were they both about the same size? Yes. Okay. Yes. Up until that point, yes. Yeah. They were uh, growing at the same rate. Right. Um, nothing really Yeah. I didn't know. You know about okay. Um, <clears throat> so we started noticing petechiae, little kind of pink, like broken blood vessels on the surface of the skin hmm. uh, on Hagen, which led us to take them to the doctor one time. They were a year and a half. And took him to the doctor um, and had multiple visits with his primary care uh, physician. And then because there was some consistency in his symptoms and consistency in the things that were happening, they started putting together the pieces. And so finally we went and had some blood work done at the hospital. Um, it seemed like that was... Uh, one morning and pretty soon they called us back and said you need to come up here and so we met with an oncologist and at that time they said Hagen has leukemia hmm and so is that the the symptoms y'all were seeing is that a part of so the, the fact that he was getting sick more often the, the petechiae that started in different places on his body and then uh, wouldn't go away um, and it just led to the blood test which right. I guess confirmed what they had feared or suspected so then yeah so what's the next so that That's uh, journey led to so how old are they now at this point they're a year and a half a year. Um, so that that led to another uh, long period of seclusion um, because they started immediately uh, with chemotherapy with Hagen. We lived in the hospital mm -hmm. um, at uh, Drake's uh, Children's. Yeah. Covenant. Covenant Children's. Yeah. Um, we would, I mean, literally for three weeks, four weeks at a time, um, be in the hospital during treatment. Uh, and then maybe if his counts were good enough, get to home, go home for a couple of days. Um, so um, Kelly quit her job and mm. spent most of her time with Hagen at the hospital. Brogan, they were very, very loving and accommodating to us. They had rooms kind of on the corners that were bigger, right. uh, which would allow Brogan to be there uh, with Hagen all the time, except for overnights when we would go home. Uh, to sleep and then we would trade off staying at the hospital overnight and then we would uh, my mom uh, helped out quite a bit during that time so what does the treatment look like for a year and a half old kid I mean it's I mean it's does it look really like... no different I mean the kind of treatment they gave him was intravenous yeah um, so it's same. they they put a, a port in his chest uh, to make that process easier uh, when he didn't have to have it so that uh, it's a little little device that goes under the skin yeah. uh, that allows um, this certain kind of a needle to, to go through into that port and then it delivers 
the medicine instead of having to tackle vein every time. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's awful. It's it's uh, you know his it didn't it didn't take very long. His hair fell out. And, um, but he was I mean the one and a half year old. Yeah. He doesn't know what's going on. He uh, he didn't let on. Very during that time, it didn't seem like he let on very often how bad he felt. Um, it, it, chemotherapy does to everybody what it does, so um, he had those same same symptoms and struggles as he went through that. But um, he played. Yeah, he and Brogan that was what I was going to ask: is how was the play and everything? Just we had we had little soft mats that we put down on the floor and kind of a little fence we built around. Uh, to let them play in there and they they played with toys and they watched movies and uh, just we all the things just lived that, at the hospital yeah. uh, you know so um that uh we survived that i mean it wasn't pleasant but it was just another challenge and something that we i mean when it's your life you don't know any different you right. just you just do what you want <clears throat> to to get by and uh, that's what we did um we and very from the get-go the one thing that kelly and i um have always pointed out is we were very well taken care of yeah i was just about to ask um, that question is what did that look like from a our our church family um was very generous in uh, in watching over us and taking care of us and visiting us and uh, checking on us and making sure we were we were doing okay and it's hard to you know, everybody asks, what do you need? What do you need? What's well, Yeah. How do you answer you that? Know. Right. But um, on multiple occasions, we would come home to find money in our mailbox. Um, Man. Just people making sure we were doing okay and doing, doing what they knew for us. So Kelly has quit her job. Are you still trying to maintain work? Still and, working at Cardinals. Yeah. Um, which... Yeah, how do you keep your head in the work game when you've got a sick? I had a very, a pretty easy job. Yeah. Um, the people that I worked with there, I worked downtown. They had a downtown location at the time, and uh, it it was a good place for me to be at the time. Gotcha. A very good place. Um, they were flexible if I needed to run uh, to do something at the doctor or the hospital or whatever, and uh, they were very understanding um, with with my schedule I, I worked you know as much as I yeah I needed to but um, the schedule was consistent you know Monday through Friday so that was another uh, upside to that job is uh, I didn't have to worry about working nights I was off on weekends uh, I could be available on a consistent basis so when yeah. we needed to switch out or when you know we needed some rest or just to get away or yeah whatever we had the flexibility to or having to take work home with you and think about work too while you're never had yeah. to do that that yeah that was really really nice um so we lived in the hospital um i guess we were admitted in january and uh everything was going along uh, pretty well um they finished the course of treatment and um hagen relapsed he was he was free but he relapsed and so at that time they were there was not really another option uh, but to uh, 
look at doing a bone marrow transplant. And so that's what we decided to do. Uh, they didn't have the, uh, the ability to do that here in Lubbock at that time. And so um, we were told we would go to Cook Children's in Fort Worth. Okay. And so they, um, they started hanging on an even more intense regimen of chemotherapy at that time. Because to be able to do a bone marrow transplant, they pretty much have to wipe out everything um, that you have, your red blood cells and everything, so that when they implant the new, it can take root and it actually, it, it actually change, it can change your blood type. Whoa. Ooh, so, yeah, yeah. so a match, the biggest thing is finding a match, a close match. Right. Um, and Hagen, uh, they were able to find a cord blood donor match for him. Um, and so it, we did um, a, about a month, it seemed like, um, regimen, two months, regimen um, chemotherapy to kind of knock him down before we went to Fort Worth. So we, we did that here. And then we were out of the hospital um, maybe a week and then went to Fort Worth and checked in at Cook's. Um, the, they have a Ronald McDonald house. Right. That is yeah. right there, like on the campus, uh, which was great. We were able to go there and check in um, and prepare. And so we did uh, all the, he had checkups and meetings with doctors and stuff like that to get ready. And so that was um, Halloween. Um, um less than a year after he was diagnosed. We went to Cook's, pretty much moved down there. From jcarchibald.com, <laughs> This is what real life podcasting looks like. Yes. So we moved down there, Halloween. Um, Kelly went with, the, she was gonna stay with Hagen. Um, Brogan at that time stayed uh, in Lubbock with my parents. Okay. And we went and got uh, checked in and got that process started. And so when you do a bone marrow transplant, at that time, it, um, you're pretty much secluded, isolated. There's a specific ward for bone marrow transplants. Those kids are about as um, sensitive to germs as any anybody Golly. can get. Uh, because their immune systems are completely wiped out, they put in, uh, you know, new, uh, new bone marrow, and then they start. So even going into that, do, do they give you a time frame, or are they saying, "Hey, this is going to be"? So, so we knew um, we would be in the hospital, um, no leaving for ninety days. Oh man! At minimum. At minimum, At minimum, I got it. Yeah. So that's Man. the when we when we went down there, we would knew, we knew it was going to be at least three months in the hospital, and that doesn't take into account like post. Right, 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 right. Once you get released, it's not just okay. Everything's good. Yeah. Go home and good luck, and you're yeah. fine. Um, you know, but they still keep a very close eye on the counts and stuff. So um, we lived. Uh, Kelly stayed Man. in in Fort Worth uh, with Hagen, 
in the hospital during the week. And then I worked in Lubbock at Cardinals during the week. And my mom helped take care of Brogan. And yeah. on Fridays, I would go pick Brogan up and we would drive to Fort Worth uh, every weekend, but two, I think, um, in that 90 plus days. And I would go, we would get there usually pretty late at night because I'd worked all right. Day. And let Kelly take Brogan to Ronald McDonald, where they would, she could get out of the hospital yeah, for a little just, bit. Yeah. And I would stay in the hospital with Hagen over the weekend. And then Sunday afternoon, we would swap back. I would take Brogan, and then we would go back home um, for the week. Man. And so we drove. Uh, drove a lot. Put a lot of miles on it. Learned that stretch of highway. Well, just the well. just the mental fatigue, too. I mean, it, I know there's miles, and miles are nothing compared to and, that. And, I, to me. And, you know, this is outside looking in, but that's... And it, looking back at it, like we were very alone. Like we had some people that would come visit, and of course, people called and right. Uh, you know, but when you're that isolated because were, of health, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, you, nobody could go in with Hagen. They could come see us, and, and there was areas that we could visit, and there was windows. Um, if somebody did come visit, like they could go to a window outside his room right and you know say hi through that that was um, that was if we rotated rooms so you had to be in a room for a certain amount of days yeah so and we would rotate so we would rotate rooms you would be in one room for 30 days and based on the rotation we would either get a window room, a balcony room, or oh, okay. Not. And when we had a balcony room, then Travis and Brogan would come out to the balcony, and they could see us through the windows. Gotcha. But even on the unit, well, the bone marrow unit, we didn't. When we would come out of our rooms, we couldn't even be in the hallway if there was another patient or parent in the hallway. Mm. So we were. It was very, very secluded. Um, isolation was key I guess yeah, just because yeah. of yeah they have special filters for air um, and again you rotated rooms because they had to go in and do cleaning. so when Travis would get there to relieve you would he have to quarantine or like what did they do no, about that you, you wash your hands and you make sure you're healthy before you go into right. the room and then we would just swap gotcha and he would go in and, and here's the, the other part is just to acknowledge. I mean, it's your baby. So miles, all the things don't really matter anyway. But I, the the fatigue of, I, I don't know. I, I just put myself real quick in that. And the, the wor- I'm a worry ward anyway. And so the worry of it all, the, the yeah, just, just the mental fatigue of that is, to me, just in this moment, just a little overwhelming, you know. And, and Kelly may feel different. I don't remember that time being tired. Okay. I know I was. Well, and, and I'm not even really talking about tired. I'm talking about the mental, the, the isolation, the being alone. There, I mean, there's a mental fatigue of that that's, that, I don't know. I, I guess my mind shifts and focuses on times that we 
people came and saw us and absolutely uh, the positive aspects of it. So that that time was definitely different for me mm -hmm. um, because he was working and interacting and mm. right. You were by yourself. I was by myself. So yeah. I developed a very close relationship with our um, one in particular person who um, would come to see us and see Hagen on a daily basis. Um, she worked at the hospital and um, that was a huge blessing. Mm. Um, like a nurse or caseworker? Uh, she's, she was the case. Something like that. I, I'm not remembering her title exactly, um, but very similar to a caseworker. Right. Um, and that was her role was to check in on, on all of the patients and the families and make sure that they're receiving the um, things that they need and, yeah. and so forth. And, and really, even the relationship with the nurses and doctors were different at Cook's than they were in Lubbock. Um, mm. So that was another challenge um, and something different. But the the time there was definitely, um, and it, it was also different because social media was different. We didn't, That's right. you know, we weren't on social media like it is now. Yeah. And so sharing Hagen's story and what was going on, we had, um, I can't remember what app it was that I was using. Care pages, yeah, care pages mm. to update friends and family. We didn't just to get some kind of info just out, to get yeah, info out and share information. And so, um, yeah, it was it was very different. Yeah, that's probably a better question for for mom sitting in the hospital than, and, and I know it's fatiguing to you too, just you know the drive and all that stuff. But that it is, it's your baby, and I would go to New York every weekend if I had, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but that, I guess that question probably is more for Kelly and that because, um, you know, just Heather in the hospital a week with her back surgery, I was ready to climb the walls, you know, and because you do, you get, I mean, we were interacting, you weren't interacting, um, but the nurses and whatnot are great, but you also want to see some people that, you know, you love and care well, for. And Well, and Kelly mentioned the difference in the, in, the, in her relationship <clears throat> primarily with the nurses here and the nurses there. And we had a great group of nurses here that just took extremely good care of us yeah. by and large. It was different there though, because especially in the bone, bone marrow transplant area, not all those kids go home. Yeah. And so they, I mean, that's something she and I talked about um, was that they seem to maintain a certain level of distance um, from, from, yeah. from Kelly and, and but everybody. Well, yeah, and processing that, oh, yeah. They they also don't spend as much time in the rooms. So their care. So they're in okay. there doing what they need to do, and then they're out. And they're out. Um, exposure, but then you know the number of patients that they're seeing and taking care of, and mm. and so it wasn't a bad thing. It just was different. Yeah. And, and it was very much a disconnect um, compared to what we had experienced in Lubbock. Mm. And um, I'm sure that happens all over, right? you know, in, in different situations. And so. Yeah, I mean, just depending on the, the type of situation, atmosphere you're in, in a hospital looks different. Because, you know, once again, comparing Heather's little 
recent surgery to that is, you know, ICU was way different than when we went to a regular room. ICU frustrated me mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to going to a regular room where they're, and so I, I feel like there's a little comparison there where those nurses were, we're all about business. We're here to make your child hopefully well, but also we got to be in and out because of, ugh, because you think Cook's children, you're thinking, oh, it's Cook children. They're so wonderful with kids. And, and they to, are. They, they but to also have a disconnect there too, where, wait, that's all you're going to spend with him right now? Well, and yeah. it wasn't really about, I mean, it was just about, you know, giving him the care and the medicine. And as soon as they're done, you know, they're in and out. Yeah. And and that's where a caseworker would come in and, and check on the kids. Child life would stop by and, and take care of, you know, if we, you know, wanted a toy, you know, Hagen was in the Elmo. And so mm-hmm. that was his favorite thing. So, you know, the time that I spent with him was, um, doing everything I could to make him happy and be comfortable and um, trying to get a smile out of him um, you know and, and many many hours of um, that not happening because he was so sick and because mm. it, he was so uncomfortable um, so it, it was definitely very challenging so this may be a little bit of a hard question. Do you, how do you look on that time as a mom? How do you look on those 90 days and those weeks of being there by yourself with him? Do you look on those as cherished as, I mean, I've, there's gotta be a mixed feeling there, but. Um, I think because of, because of Hagen's outcome, there's, times where it's mixed feelings Hmm. because I feel like we, you know, going through chemo, you're poisoning him and, and, but he was sick. So we wanted to do whatever, everything that we could to make him better. And, and, um, you know, we just had hoped for the best and the time that I had with him, it's obviously cherished you know, it's, it's hard to remember. It's hard looking back at the struggles um, yeah. because those are, he spent half of his life in the hospital, mm. um, more than half of his life sick. And, um, you know, and even then we're still very blessed there. There's so many other families who their kids are sick even longer and, yeah. and more challenging situations. So, um, you know, the guilty feeling of, um, him not being healthy and not being well and the guilty feeling of Travis being in Lubbock while I was with Hagen on a regular basis. Right. There's a lot of different emotions and things that, that you go through. Yeah. Thanks for going there real quick. I just, I just, I, I think about, yeah, the, the situation of how it all ended, but also those have got to be some pretty hard things to, but also precious just because he was sick and also you're by yourself with him only, you know, and okay. So we do our 90 days at Cook's. It was a hundred plus. Or not, yeah. It ended up up being a hundred plus. Wow. Okay. That he was in uh, until he got out. Um, Once he got out, uh, Killian uh, Hagen lived at uh, Ronald McDonald House. 
because they would have checkups. Okay. Frequently. So he didn't have to be on the bone marrow transplant ward, but he was very close so that they could check up on him. And so... So 100 days in the ward, then Ronald McDonald House. Yes. Man. So... Appointments were very frequent. Okay. So they would go back, go back in, you know, just basically across the street um, for appointments starting, you know, pretty much the the first few days and then uh, gradually spacing out to where um, they didn't have to be on campus. Um, so we had a, a, a close friend that we met uh, when she was pregnant with her twins with Down syndrome. Mm. And they lived in Granbury. And so Kelly and Hagen, uh, they let, uh, let Kelly and Hagen live with them while those appointments spread out so that they weren't having to drive back and forth to Lubbock. And it got to a point where I think they were, the appointments were spread out about a week. Um, yeah. And that's when Kelly and Hagen came, came home and would just drive back and forth to Fort Worth once a week. Uh, to get those out of the way and not have to be right away. Oh, we've spent enough time apart. Sure. No, no, no I, yeah, yeah. Again. Even if it was, again, <clears throat> Hagen being at home, not going out. Right. Um, being very, the entire time uh, you do chemotherapy or bone marrow, like you wash your hands constantly. Mm -hmm. Like come, going into the room, um, especially they have a regimen basically that you have to wash your hands the tops and bottoms and special soap and all that stuff and so coming home we did we did that too we washed our hands a lot we kept them out of away from anybody that had any kind of sniffle um really did our best to protect him and and i, I can't remember um how long the appointments lasted um until they spaced out. So what did that, what did those appointments look like? What? <clears throat> so when they, the appointments would go, initially when we first got out, they were um, at least three days a week. And that was when we were still at Ronald McDonald. And then um, we would be going in and, and they would, they'd be doing blood work. They would be checking his skin. They would be checking to make sure that there was, wasn't any rejection. Um, so, different types of tests that they were running on a regular basis. So there was no chemo, no, so kind of the sickness started lifting. The, the sickness hadn't lifted because okay. we were watching for a rejection. So okay. um, he still had, he didn't have any immune. Um, so he yeah, was I mean, you're not, considered yeah. cancer free because he didn't have any um any of the leukemia found in his system, but they were making sure, so we were testing that on a regular basis to make sure that their, the leukemia had not come back and that the new bone marrow had taken and he wasn't rejecting it. Gotcha. So we would be doing those checks pretty regularly um, initially. He was on a lot of medicine. Mm -hmm. And so um, it was tweaking medicines and you know side effects. And then also his nutrition was down and so he had a, a button um, that, that we were, you know, giving him nutrition through the button. And so we were doing checks with that. Um, and then as the appointments spread out, it was still the same type of appointment. We would go in, 
um, do all the blood work and all of the checks. Um, it just, again, they were just spaced out. So three days a week, then it was two days a week, then it was one day a week, um, every two weeks, you know, so it was very spaced out. And then finally we got to a point where we, our follow-up appointments were primarily in Lubbock. Um, yeah, that's what I was going to do. It didn't always have to be at Cook's, but right. it was for a long time. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't up until even right before he passed away that we were finally just primarily back in Lubbock. Um, he began having a lot of respiratory issues. And so we would, he would do really well and then he would get really sick. And, um, and we were still very cautious like Travis was saying, we, um, he couldn't even play in sand. Um, you know, we, we just, we, you know, we were careful with people coming into the house. Um, when we did get out, we would only go to places that we weren't surrounded by a lot of people. Um, but he was, he was still very fragile, even yeah. though he had already had the transplant, but Still no immune system. We couldn't give him any immunizations. His body wasn't right. even strong enough to handle an immunization. Hmm. So we're finally down to finishing the follow-up visits, or then it things shifted, or what? Yeah, we hadn't even finished follow-up visits. We were still in that phase. Um, Hagen got sick, and had started running fever and um, I can't even remember exactly. Well, I mean, so during the checkups, are they checking levels of all the, the markers of everything they're looking forward to? During the visits to, okay. Yeah, they're, I just, looking, I just they're for, looking for the reemergence of cancer also. Clearing all but, that up. In my head, um, like the other side, checking sure. to make sure he's, it, it's like getting a new organ. They're checking to make sure right. his body doesn't start rejecting that. Too. Sure. So he's taking he, Kelly Tons mentioned all the medicines yeah. that he's taking. One of them was uh, steroids, mm. like lots and lots of steroids, to where he oh yeah he swelled up like yeah. he was he was a big boy yeah um, and had little furry forehead and um, but still wasn't eating much at all. We were feeding him his nutrition. Through okay, so it was, marrow. okay, got it. Mm -hmm. So through the course of, of his bone marrow transplant, like he got to where he wasn't eating at all. He was just taking his nutrition mm -hmm. through his button. So when he came through, came home, we were still doing that. Yeah. Uh, to keep, you know, keep him healthy. Um, okay, so he starts running a fever. Mm -hmm. And... His his O2 stats started going down um, to the point where he needed to be in the hospital, okay. uh, getting albuterol treatments and a little bit higher level of care than we could give him. But you are back in Lubbock, so you're getting yes. some you're, some good familiar care, right? Mm -hmm. So we're at Covenant. Okay, uh, we go to Covenant and. It's a bit of a scare. Yeah, he uh, developed pneumonia. I guess pretty quick then. It was quick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
so got through that though okay kind of kind of breathed a little sigh of relief um he had been he had been going to school um because the boys at three years old uh, start school for early eci yeah um so they can get started with therapies and different right. things that they need to help them when they get to kindergarten so they can start and obviously you know they need some extra time and care so he had started doing that and then um the the first time that he got sick that that he developed pneumonia he ended up being on a ventilator mm. so it was a big scare because we didn't we had never been in that situation and, and we knew we'd had close calls and um, we knew the longer that he was on the ventilator, the harder it would be to get him off and we didn't yeah. know the extent of what was going on. And so, um, but was there, a, there wasn't a fear that his, it was because his body was rejecting it all that. It wasn't a rejection. It was, it was just it's his, his immune system. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And that was, that was what we continued to struggle with is he would, do really well and then all of a sudden he would get really sick and, yeah. and it just seemed like every time after that it would impact his respiratory system mm. even more and this was one of those times right. that it impacted him so much that he was on the ventilator so on the ventilator for several days okay um several days and then in the icu for even longer and um, finally, I think it was two weeks, um, was able to go home. And we spent about a week home. And then he got sick again. Hmm. And that's, that was when we lost him. So um, what, did this, what did that look like? Just another respiratory issue? He had started running fever. And... I knew my gut was telling me something's not right. We need to be admitted. Mm. So I even packed our bags. I scheduled an appointment with our pediatrician. And so we went in and they checked him and said, oh, well, let's give it another 24 hours. And so we went back home and by, um, by the next day, the next morning, I was having a hard time waking him up from his nap. Mm. And um, I just, we just rushed him to the ER and, and sure enough, um, they got him admitted. And, um, by that evening we'd started running some further tests and, um, checking his heart. And that night, Travis and Brogan had come up after work and I was with Hagen and, um, during the middle of them, uh, checking his heart, we decided that he needed to go down to ER. Or, I'm sorry, to ICU, and um, and so we we transferred down to the ICU, and and within a short amount of time, they they went ahead and had to intubate, and that was the last time that that we saw him. Mm-hmm. All those ice. So what did it just you know elevate to a pneumonia that? His lungs had collapsed. So the pneumonia, um, he developed a bacterial infection. Yeah. The pneumonia had gone away, but then he developed a, a bacterial infection. And 
um, once we had gotten him, <clears throat> once that transfer happened that night, um, they took another x-ray and by the time that we had information on it, his one of his lungs had collapsed. And, um, and, and we spent overnight um, in the ICU, but he coded um, once during the middle of the night. Hmm. And then the next morning, um, they came in and said that he was septic. And so um, at that point, I called Travis and he was at work and he left work right away and came up to the hospital and, um, and, and that's when everything just changed. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. So, how how old? Three. Three, mm-hmm. and some, and a few months. It would have been four, and this was in May. Okay. We would have been four in July. So three years. So, he passes, and then, what does that after journey look like for? Even for Brogan, like, like I just, that's a, I've always wanted to talk to you about that just from, anyway. For Brogan, what I saw was, started before then because they were separated, they had always been together. So even yeah. when Hagen was going through treatment at Covenant, you know, like Travis said, we had them together as much as possible. Um, when we went to Cook's, and then when we finally came home, it was a reintroduction. So even mm. though they knew each other and loved each other, um, they had to kind of relearn how to be around each other again. And yeah. it was this time there was a, a role change, and Brogan was really the the leader mm. and teaching Hagen things because Hagen's Hagen regressed. Um, a lot and so um, so Brogan was really the, the big brother figure when we got back home and and that was a huge blessing um, to be able to see them you know rebond and and kind of pick up where they left off but you know initially Hagen couldn't do things and didn't feel good enough to be as active right as Brogan but you know Brogan was so good to him and loved on him and mm. They just again kind of picked up where they left off, you know, emotionally for the most part. Um, but when Hagen was gone, there were some setbacks for Brogan as well. Right. Um, and you know, we were blessed that he wasn't by himself for for much longer because we had a surprise, you know, with Cooper. But. Brother Coop came along not too far after. Hmm. How about for you, Travis, just from your... It was trying to figure out life. Yeah. All over. Questioning God and faith in the midst of just deeply hurt. And trying to trying to be there for Kelly and trying to be there for Brogan and knowing that we didn't have the option to just stop life. Right. 
but for a while just not knowing how to move forward. But again, God surrounded us with really good people to help us figure that out. It wasn't the same for us. Um, people don't people don't understand that when you're grieving, um, there's not a right way or a wrong way right. to do to do life. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, we still still don't even do things. You know, it's been a learning process, um, and it was definitely a, a different experience as far as you never think you're going to have to go through something like that um you never wish that on anyone and then learning how to it, it's a whole new life it's right. totally different nothing well, can be the same it's not a 180 it's a 360 yeah and everything is completely different and the people that you knew are not the same people mm. and the things that you the things that drove you before to go through life are not the same anymore. Priorities mm. change. Yeah. Um, relationships change. Um, and there was definitely not a time to just do nothing. Um, we had Bergen. Yeah. You got to keep moving forward. We had to keep moving forward. So I think that's part of what helped me is um, knowing that Bergen still needs us and loves us. Yeah. I mean, I I can't help but think, and, and this may be too, I don't know, maybe a line, but like it's got to affect y'all's relationship together. It's got to affect your relationship to Brogan differently. I mean, you can't walk away without every relationship being changed in my mind. I may be completely wrong on that, but just hearing. I, I think it overall it affects the perspective for which we approach relationships. Right. And, and, and I don't think that's a negative thing. Um, I think I approach relationships very more, much more intentionally yeah. and and passionately. It's more precious, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Right. Yes. So, um, and and hear me not skip over anything, just for no lack of compassion. Um, but I do want to touch base on on well, number one. Cooper came into the picture, and so we found out <laughs> a month and a half. Really? Maybe even less, two months later, that Cooper was coming. And he was born the next February. That's awesome. So, Cooper enters uh, the family. Um, when did the, the prompting on your heart start to, okay, we're going to do... A ministry, you know, we're gonna non-profit, you know, like the push towards that was that. That's probably 
your that's, arena? That started um, even while Hagen was going through treatment. I was, that was going to be my next. We witnessed a lot of families who were very... Um, the seeds were planted during that time, for yes, sure. absolutely. And because we had that church family and, you know, his friends and family from always living here, um, we had that support, but we, we saw a lot of people that come in from out of town because it's, a, you know, we're in the hub, right? So right. they're in from, you know, all over the area and they don't have friends and family that are dropping in at the hospital and, and checking on them. Um, so we knew How right they away. Make it. And, and shortly after, um, even just that first year afterwards, we, we partnered with the child life department and wanted to do Christmas Hmm. for some families and so that's how it started was um adopting a family or two and doing christmas for all the kids um so was that at cooks or was that locally it was at, yeah. at covenant yeah i got it gotta get it and at the time umc did not do any um they did not have a program to to treat kids with cancer um, at the time, Covenant was the only location hmm. to do that. Now it's both locations. Um, bone marrow transplant still has to happen in Dallas right. or a different location. Right. Um, and so over time, um, the, the next really big thing that, that God put on my heart was uh, I had by then joined a CrossFit gym and fell in love with the community and uh, made some really good friends and the gym that we were going to was making a change and I had a change in, in ownership and God just said hey throw a competition see if they'd be on board and we'll we'll donate everything to the hospital and so um so I asked and they said yes Whoa. and it, the wheels started there and it just took off that is cool. Can you share that website so people listening can go and check it out? Sure. Um, <laughs> the, the website's really under construction right now. We're, we're uh, in need of, of updating it, but it's um, toughasnails.com. Um, and it's btoughasnails.com, B-E-toughasnails.com. Um, the event that we hold once a year, so it's annually, we uh, receive a cash donation from the athletes. They then also bring a toy, and then the toys are split between UMC and Covenant. Gotcha. And so, um, and then you know the the funds that are donated go back into the families also. So if, if someone, um, the big thing with us was we wanted to be able to do things that some of the larger organizations don't do. There's a lot of little things that people don't think about. Right, just get overlooked. Um, and so we just want to make ourselves available to some of those little things. And um, it could be dinner or um, we had a family whose battery in their truck mm. broke and that was the only way they could make it to their appointments for chemo. And so we replaced the battery in their truck. So. Um, you know, we've done little things like that. We, we work with, um, UMC has snacks for those families that come in to do treatment. They're there all day, but they don't have any meals. Mm. And so we get 
a whole bunch of snacks and donate it to them so that they have that for a while. Um, so we, we do things throughout the year, but our, our biggest fundraiser is, is our event. And, and another aspect of that event is we honor kiddos by doing what we call a hero workout. So CrossFit's known for their hero wads workout mm-hmm. of the day is, is the wad. Um, and, and it's a workout that's in honor of a fallen military um, personnel or, or they've done a couple of other variations, but that's what they're known for. And so at our competition, we um, highlight some kiddos some of our heroes who have either gone through treatment or went uh, are currently going through treatment, mm. um, we get their story, share their story with the community, um, of course with parents' permission, and then we create a workout um, based on significant dates or events in their life, and um, we do a, their hero workout. So all these athlete athletes come um, from the Hub City area and. Um, over a day and a half, do anywhere from five to six workouts and um, honor all the, the kids during that time. That is so cool. And get to learn. I mean, one of the primary functions of our organization is also just to spread awareness. Right. Um, so these athletes may not have a personal connection, but they get one. Like we try to have the, you know, any of the kids that can be at the event come for their workout so that not only do the athletes see this is the we the first year we had Hagen yeah um, see a name get to read kind of their story they get to see a face or right. a kid you know and and make that personal connection which is I don't know I, I think it helps if you don't have somebody or don't know somebody who's been through it, it gives you a little bit of heart connection with them for sure so how long have y'all been doing that now? Six years. I think this will be seven years. Okay. Gotcha. We skipped COVID year. Right. Virtual one. Right. That's cool. So what, um, Brogan's how old now? 19. 19 years old can brogan talk on the mic real quick brogan what's your who's your favorite mommy or daddy <laughs> that's not fair i'm sorry <laughs> what what's your favorite thing about your dad travis i know what's your favorite thing about travis what's your favorite thing about your dad mm, i love him you love him what's your favorite thing about your mom you love your mom too. You're awesome, dude. You give the best hugs. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Yeah. Best <laughs> hugs around. So, in closing, this is what I like to do on my podcast. I want you to tell me your. Um, it's kind of the the final question. Is what's your favorite word? Hmm. Or you can give me your least favorite word first. Because I'm going to ask you both. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a favorite word? That's okay. I, I mean, the, the one that comes up is Hebrew. It's my own. And it's refuge or shelter. 
And that stems from yeah the word I was given. Z. All right. Least favorite word? I don't have one. Okay. Kelly, favorite word? Shaking head no. Least favorite word? Shaking her head no. <laughs> uh, really and truly, thank you guys for sharing your story. This is awesome. Um, I'm sorry. There's been some sound glitches and some stuff there, but we can fix that. Um, um, love you guys. Thank you for sharing your heart. Rogan, thanks for being here and enduring this long talk with your mom and dad. And um, thanks again.